This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Premier League is back and City returned with a bang as they comfortably dispatched Leeds at Ellen Road. We'll take a look back at that game, look ahead to Everton, and later I'll be joined by Amos to read out your submissions for the best City moments of 2022. It's Tuesday, December 29th. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm David Powell. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello, David. Welcome back to the show. How was the first holiday season with the young one? It was, uh, yeah, it was, to be honest with you, it was actually quite relaxing, as weird as that may sound. Um, we, we got all the family stuff out of the way before Christmas, so the actual Christmas period itself was just myself my wife and the little one and um he seems to be sleeping quite well at the moment so i can't really complain nice you should be writing the book on parenting it sounds like because I, I don't know <laughs> that i've heard many other uh parenting stories quite like that yeah i, I don't want to jinx it too soon but um yeah even last night his first game he was he was pretty chilled for the 90 minutes so all systems go at the moment can't complain nice Nice. Well, I also had a uh, Christmas with a family member. A certain Alex Ovechkin broke the record for uh, second most goals in NHL history, and I I was there to see it live and in person. The single game I'm going to this season because my my local team now plays 3,000 miles from me. Um, (sighs) That was my my big Christmas story was somehow or another I happened to be in the building for the one game he – he jumped into second place, so that was uh, that was fantastic. But we're not going to focus on hockey today, as this is not a hockey podcast. Let's get on to the football. City win 3-1 at Ellen Road in their first game back in the Premier League since the World Cup. Just quickly, general thoughts. What did you make of the performance at Leeds? I, I, I was quite impressed with it. It was, um, I think I've seen a few people say since, it's a, it was a typical sort of away performance against a team like Leeds, Leicester, where 
patience was key. Like they sometimes a little bit frustrating to some fans where they just think, oh, we need to attack quicker. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. But the the way Mares and Greedus play on the wings is it, a constant just seesaw of bringing the ball from the left to the right, the right to the left, waiting for the right time to try and get Gundogan, De Bruyne between the lines and try and feed Haaland. But it, it, it was one of those games. It, it didn't fly by. It wasn't weirdly considering how many chances we actually had. I didn't find it a really exciting game, but it was pretty much exactly what I expected. I thought we would concede um, and I thought we would win the game comfortably and I think both those things happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I will have to admit I was one of those people really frustrated in the first 44 minutes or whenever it was, Rodri snuck in that late goal. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of banging on on this podcast for a long time how I just want to get back to wide wingers, overlapping fullbacks, kind of that that swashbuckling uh, swashbuckling city that we're used to. But you can't really argue with the control that this kind of 3-2, three, 3-3 three, three, or whatever it may be um, brings you. Um, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I mean, it's it's one of those games, you know, kind of like Leeds, like an Everton. Um, it's one of those games that because of the crowd, because of the kind of history of the venue, you kind of get tricked into thinking it's a really tough game. But I, I don't think that that gets into the head of, of this city team. You know, if this were an empty stadium, we would not be thinking anything of the game. It would just be a team against, you know, a game against a bottom feeder that we're going to wipe aside. Um, yeah. And I think that's how the players go into it. And they, they certainly treated it that way, you know, to to have the crowd on your back and, and play out of the back in, in some of the ways they did um, under pressure. I, I was really impressed and, you know, little bits of rust from some of the, some of the players and their finishing and some of the passing, but all in all, that that level of performance and and that kind of intensity in that game is really impressive. After some of these players were sitting on their asses for the last six seven weeks, yeah, I, I fully agree to what you just said there. I think predominantly Man City have been a relatively slow start to a season, or if we saw this as a restart again, we I'd expect us to be quite slow getting back into the rhythm and stuff. But I was impressed with the Liverpool game. I was impressed yesterday and thought if we if we're playing this well now. If we could get into that groove where we do go on those like 15, 16, 17 games on beat and run on this basis to start with, then I don't see Arsenal being able to keep with us at all. I think we will blow them away because, like you said, that there was, there was performances in there from players, Rico Lewis, Nathan Ake, players that you wouldn't expect to be the, the players that we're raving about, but the performances they were putting in were brilliant. You'd, I, I wasn't even really thinking too much about oh what 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 Harland did his record or the Bruyne was unbelievable again man of the match. It was like how good is Nathan Ake? How good is Rico Lewis? Like John Stones straight back from the World Cup, flawless performance. Like it, there's a lot to be happy with. I think um, I just hope we go straight into the Everton game. Is it tomorrow or the day after? Uh, two days time and just same performance again. Easy win, three four goals clean sheet, see where we can go with it. Before we get into some of those individual players, what was just your general feeling on the lineup? You know, there was obviously some surprises in there with neither Jao Cancelo or Kyle Walker. Um, obviously, Rico Lewis getting his first start in the Premier League and his first start away from home in a city shirt. Um, you know, I think some people looked at that and maybe thought, ooh, this could be shaky if it doesn't go well. Um, obviously, it wasn't. What were your thoughts on the team sheet in general? I think you're right. When, when you saw it on paper, there was a few question marks thinking, oh, where are the big hitters? Where is Cancelo? Where's Walker? Where's Foden? But 
if you actually sort of took a step back from it and thought, well, Cancelo didn't really play in the World Cup and going into the World Cup, his form was probably rock bottom. Carl Walker, again, how fit was he in the World Cup? It, it like we we don't know, we'll never know. But Rico Lewis had the opportunity to train with the first team, played really well against Liverpool, and deserved that spot. And then the same for Nathan Ake. I, I just don't see how he he's getting pushed out. That the team at the moment is his passing, his control, his his tenacity. He deserved to play. The two that always do worry me when they're on the same team sheet is Grealish and Mares, as our two wide players. They're not my favourite combination whatsoever but at the same time again you look back and you think well Grealish we haven't lost a game where he started Mares, he does have goals in him probably more so than Foden and Grealish so there's there's a shout for the lineup when I saw it I wasn't completely convinced but as the game transpired I was like I think Pep got it right to be honest with you and it's nice to have Bernardo Foden all rested and ready for for New Year's Eve well, let's start from the front and go back then, because I think Grealish had one of those polarizing Jack Grealish performances in which he had some moments, some, some questionable moments, and then he had some moments of brilliance as well. Um, anybody who listens to this podcast will know that Amos and I are team leaders of, of Team Grealish. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've always said that I don't feel we've yet to see Grealish in the best environment for Jack Grealish, and that environment is given space given time on the ball to kind of work his magic. He's, he's constantly on an island out on the left. You and I were speaking um, on Twitter yesterday kind of in agreement over this that it's hard to judge him when there's no overlapping fullback. Every time he cuts inside, he's got about three or four defenders in his way, plus a Gundogan in there, plus a Rodri in there, plus Kevin De Bruyne drifting over. Um, yep. What did you make of the performance? Because I felt that Grealish is the perfect player for a game at Ellen Road, which the crowd is on your back. There's going to be lots of pressing from the opposition, and he's great at recycling the ball. And I know that sounds like a little thing that that every single player on the pitch should be able to do, but his ability to put his foot on the ball or carry it, relieve pressure, switch the play, reset everything, and calm things down. Pep must love that about him. And of course, there was some some moments of of uh, questionable finishing, we'll say. But in the end, he he comes in with you know two quick assists in the second half, and and kind of puts City out in front and, and, and uncatchable. So he played his part in the end. So what did you make of, of Jack overall? Yeah, I'd, 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 I would ask the question, if, if he'd have put away those three chances he had, or even two of those chances, would people have come out the game saying that's Jack Grealish's best performance of his career? Because he, like you said, he, he, he didn't lose the ball. He, was, he did so many runs where he was carrying that ball 60 yards across the field into the centre. He was recycling it really well. He got the two assists, which... We all know he doesn't seem to get that many, but he should get more. If he'd have put two of those chances away, I think people would have been like, he was fantastic. It was the Jack Grealish against Liverpool for Aston Villa, but he is on the knife edge, knife edge Sorry, where when he misses that chance, all the commentators, all the press, everyone just instantly goes, oh, this isn't the Jack Grealish of Aston Villa. And it's I, I, like I said, we were chatting on Twitter yesterday and I, I would love to just be able to ask some of these people and say, well, if you were past the ball in that scenario where he has three players to his right-hand side with Nathan Ake 30 yards back, what is he actually meant to do? What would you do in that scenario? Because he only has one option, and that is to turn around, either come inside or pass it back to Ake and recycle it. So, yeah, I would like to see him score more. I'd like, Obviously, our attacking player, if you want to see him scoring goals, that's what 
Man City fans love and want to see. But I think his performance was okay. It was good. He, he got the assists and hopefully he's he'll come out of that game with actually quite a bit of confidence and he'll have forgotten the first half. Like you said, the, the shaky first half and he'll come into the next game with the confidence and it sounded like a lot of the players, Haaland's interview after, like they're all buzzing for him as well. They want him to to get those assists that he clearly really desires and those goals. So, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought it was a maybe a seven, seven and a half, and it, it could have been quite easily a nine if he'd have scored those two goals. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's the price tag, isn't it? You know, if he's a forty, fifty million pound player, um, we don't have these conversations because he's just another one of City's wingers who creates a lot, um, doesn't take all of his chances. You know, it's only the last two seasons in which we didn't have anybody that scored more than 10 or 11 goals in the league every year. Um, yeah. And I think that was Kevin De Bruyne that was that was leading that race. And obviously, Mares had a big goal-scoring year uh, last year. But, you know, none of our wingers score tons of goals. Um, I think with Jack, he's one of those players, and I, I hate to make this comparison, but he's one of those players like, like Raheem Sterling, where he... He constantly gets himself into great positions and know the finishing isn't the best, but the fact that he gets himself there more often than, than not is, a, is an impressive feat in itself. And, and ex-pros will always tell you that, that the fact that players get into positions to miss tons of chances is still mm-hmm. a very, very, very impressive skill. Um, yeah. let's, let's move on to somebody who played in the front line with, with Grealish, a certain Norwegian that I don't even know what there is to say about him any, anymore. Scored his 25th goal in all competitions for City. Scored his 20th in the Premier League, which, by the way, would win the Golden Boot in the last five seasons. Um, <laughs> fastest player Premier League history to get to 20 goals. What can you say about this guy that hasn't been said already? Just, I'm just completely lost for words. Like, it's it's at the point now where I think a few of the fans say it about Man City fans in general, where they're just they're expectant of things to happen and like. When he had that chance in the first forty seconds, I was so shocked that he missed it. If he'd if he'd had scored it, I probably wouldn't have even been that celebrating because it would have been like, "Oh, it's, it's Haaland. He's had a chance. He scored." It's it's just standard procedure, and that's that's sort of where we're at with him at the moment. That you are actually more shocked now when he's not taking home a, a hat trick ball every game. Even when Pep's saying he's still not fully fit, he's still carrying that knock from last season. He's still hitting these numbers. He's still hitting these numbers with. Players like Grealish, maybe not at his peak. Mares not at his peak. Foden in and out the team. Where if these these guys serving him up were playing at the level of maybe Kevin De Bruyne, he could be getting six, seven, eight clear cut chances a game. And all it takes is for those players to find some form, and he's going to break every record that's ever been set in football. Well, I'm no, no doubt about it. I love the man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's on pace for 52 goals in the league right now. What do you think is the realistic ceiling for him? I mean, I, honestly, I wouldn't put it past him to get all the way to 52 because this doesn't feel like a flash in the pan anymore. Um, no. What, what do you think is his, his realistic ceiling for this season? I would say I would put a number on it for the Premier League of he'll fall just below 40. But I do think if we go all the way in, in the Carabao, the FA, Champions League, he he could hit fifty goals for City in all competitions, which I, I'd be absolutely start of the season. I wouldn't have expected it, but now I feel like that's slightly conservative on both both estimates that he could do fifty in all competitions and maybe thirty nine in the Premier League. But he, he's got more hat tricks in him. So even like I think maybe you said it on one of the podcasts last year uh, earlier this year that 
if he goes one game without a goal like he did against Aston Villa, he could quite easily go and do a hat trick one game, two the next, and he's got he's got five and three again, and his his records just toppling up again. So, yeah, I don't know what, what what do you think? How many do you think? What's your prediction? Well, I mean, it's pretty astonishing because if you listen to him post game, he was really disappointed in his performance last night. He felt he should have had maybe five or six, and some of the chances that I hate to say squandered because. Uh, it's Erling Holland, but some of the some of the missed chances he could have had five or six, and yeah. you know we'd be having a, a, an even crazier conversation. Yeah, I think he'll. I think it'll get to a point in which the Premier League record of thirty four goals in a season will be in touch, and he'll just be relentlessly trying to to break the record. Yeah. Um, so I think I think he'll he'll at least get to the thirty five mark and break the record. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's astonishing. It, it it feels like he'll never slow down. Eventually, this feels like it'll have to kind of taper out. But at the moment, it feels like he's not going to slow down. All right, let's move back back up the pitch a little bit. Um, Rico Lewis. I mean, this guy comes out of nowhere in the last twelve months or so. I'm sure everybody who's been following the academy for years will know more about him. But for people who just follow the senior team, he comes out of nowhere. Good performance against Sevilla, some good runs in the cup. And then all of a sudden, he's starting in the inverted fullback role at 18 years old at Ellen Road, and he puts on a performance like that. I mean, what what can you say about Rico? Just, yeah, he's, he's living every City fan's dream, to be honest with you. 18 years of age, playing in, in that side for Pep Guardiola with all these amazing players and holding his own. I mean, Carl Walker's the best for me, he's probably the best right back that the Premier League's ever had. And he's kept him out. If if Carl Walker's fit enough for England, he, he probably should have been fit enough for City. And Pep said, no, he's Rico Lewis can play that role. And to be honest with you, it's only been two performances that I've seen, obviously recently Liverpool and and Leeds yesterday. But he played he played that inverted role more comfortably than I see Carl Walker doing it, especially on the ball. Um sometimes when Carl Walker gets the ball, he can look a little bit out of his comfort zone in terms of opening up his body and playing it out wide and stuff. But Rico Lewis was so nimble and he was so quick nipping in and out of players and, and just knocking the two-yard balls and bopping sideways. I was really impressed with him. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if if Pep's rating him highly, Pep's very rarely wrong with a player. So I think it can only be good things. And if it saves Man City dipping into the transfer market to replace Carl Walker or, or allowing... Ca- Cancelo to sort of just focus on that left back spot, then it's it's going to be great for City, hundred percent. Well, what do you make of him now as as kind of a full time senior player? I mean, what what is his role in the next few weeks? Because the way I look at it is, you're spot on that Kyle Walker is not suited for that inverted role, and that seems to be where Pep wants to go. I mean, you look at that game yesterday, and Rico was essentially a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going forward, if we you know get somebody like PSG in a Champions League game, we, we'd love to have Kyle Walker out, Kyle, Kyle Walker out there to deal with Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, guys like that. But these games in which we want to have this control, we want to play narrow and and kind of dominate the center of the park. It feels like Rico Lewis could kind of become the number one choice on that right hand side, especially because he doesn't have to do all that much defending. When he does, yeah. he he holds his own. But in these games in which you know, 75% of the game, your fullbacks are going to be tucked in and, and have the ball at their feet. He almost feels like the number one option on that right-hand side. Yeah, and I, I think he I think he suited playing with John Stones. He's comfortable going out 
out wide. Whereas if you put him alongside maybe someone like Ruben Diaz, who's a little bit more, he likes to dive in. He's a bit more erratic in his style of defending. Maybe he'd be a little bit more exposed. But John Stones is so comfortable just flying out to that right-hand side, letting Rodri drop into the centre. It was perfect. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd hopefully it's not a player that sort of just stops and starts a little bit like Cole Palmer. We've all been quite excited for what he could do, but he's not really managed to push on with a few injuries and not really getting the amount of game time he'd probably like and goals and stuff like that. But I just hope that he stays fit now and he, he does stay in and around that, that starting team. And with the amount of games we've got coming up, Cup games specifically, I don't see why Pep would pull him out the limelight now. Just just let him loose, I would I would say. All right, that'll do for part one. In part two, we're going to look ahead to City's game against Everton. All right, welcome back to the City Report podcast. I'm joined by David. All right, David, up next, we got another kind of basement dweller in the Premier League in Everton. Um I think the feeling now is, all right, we've got this this victory at Ellen Road, tough atmosphere, another game against kind of a bottom side. It feels like City could gain some momentum and kind of go on their their vintage winter winning streak. Um, do you get that same feeling? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment after that win in Leeds. Do, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, f- I feel confident. I feel I feel after the, the Liverpool game specifically, I think if we'd have, if we'd have lost that, I would have been slightly more concerned about the the big games coming up, but the way we brushed them aside after struggling to beat them for for quite a few occasions now and then the comfortable win yesterday, I feel like the squad's in a good spot. There's not that many injuries, if any, really. Calvin Phillips is back in. We've got, like we said earlier, Rico Lewis now in and around Cancelo. The only Alvarez is not there. I feel like the squad's in a really good place to, to sort of get those minutes in the legs get a good win against Everton and, and go into January with some of these big games with confidence and all the players firing on all cylinders and, and super fit. So on the squad, obviously at Ellen Road, on the bench we had Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, Laporte, Cancelo, Phillips, Walker. How much rotation do you see? I mean, I, I have been kind of banging the drum recently of figure out your best 11 and kind of get, you know, nine, maybe eight of those guys that are always on the pitch. But we now with the emergence of Rico Lewis, with Cole Palmer getting some more minutes, it feels like the squad has gotten a little bit bigger in the sense that we used to think City have such a small squad, and they did because there was almost you know 17, 18 players that they could call on before we were dipping into the academy. But with the emergence of some more young players, the squad gets bigger and bigger. How much rotation do you see ahead of Everton's uh, trip to the Etihad? Uh, I would say probably quite a bit. I would I would be very very shocked if Laporte, Bernardo, Foden weren't all in that starting lineup. Even Cancelo and Walker. Um, Pep does use the start of the season. I keep calling it the start of the season again, but he, he rotates so heavily at the beginning of like a a campaign to hopefully put us in a good position to do these like winter runs traditionally, where all the players are sort of fit and maybe we only have one or two on the um, the injury list, but. I'd be very, very shocked, especially with January coming up. If he didn't rotate those those big hitters in, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if they were playing. Like when you see Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, Laporte, Walker, Cancelo in the starting eleven, you would usually think I'm confident that this is probably our our, our best lineup. But obviously, after the performance yesterday, you, you're questioning whether they they should be coming in and taking those spots from Gundogan, Grealish, Rico, Ake. Um, but yeah, I think. It's in Pep's DNA to keep tweaking, always. 
All right, that'll do for today with David looking back at Leeds and looking ahead to Everton. Uh, Stick around because Amos is going to join me here in a few seconds to look back at your submissions for City's best moments of 2022. David, thank you for joining us. Uh, Happy holidays and, and enjoy the young one. Thank you very much, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. And as I absolutely loathe hosting duties, I'm going to hand the microphone straight over to Mr. Amos Murphy, who is joining us to discuss your submissions for City's best moments of 2022. Hello, Amos. That was weird. I didn't like it. It felt like, have you seen them badges, like those those graphic designers who do football club badges in the colours of their rivals? And the City United one where City's badge is red and yellow and United's is blue and white. That's what it felt like listening to you give an intro then. So in the nice you see me way. as an adversary. No, I just see you as very much knowing your place. I see you as a who would be who would be the perfect Knowing example. my place. Dare I dare Maybe. I get into the Twitter messages all the way back in hmm, what would have been 2020, where I messaged you and said, Hey, want to start a podcast with me i don't think it was the other way around 2020 that's a you've got your years mixed up what years you, are you, right you, now just about 2022 very nearly oh yeah so maybe it was 2021 huh yeah yeah okay. maybe anyway hello yeah it's a nice little squabble to kick things off. How was David? Uh, lovely. Yeah, I'm glad he could step away from his child for something far more important for 25 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Apologies to all offended fathers out there. Um, not right. from me. Yeah, not from you. Um, so we're going to wrap 2022. I've been able to take a, 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 a step away from my hectic schedule um, to look back at some of City's best moments. Um, we obviously asked, we asked Twitter, we asked the Twitterverse for their submissions. So we'll start off by reading a couple of them out. There was a caveat, obviously. It did not include the final day against Aston Villa, which I don't know about you, Adam, that doesn't seem like it was this year. I don't know if it's because of the World Cup, because it was... A different season because it was all sort of crazy and uh I don't know just like unimaginable the entire way it folded out it doesn't seem like that was this year yeah I agree at least for me personally so many things have changed yeah. in my life since then I lived 3,000 miles away when that happened mm. I mm. had a different job then I had a different dog then R.I.P. young Theo oh. Oh. Uh, well he was old but um so yeah, for me personally, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. Yeah, it's mad. It's, without going too sort of deep, because I know everyone's gearing up for the new year, but it's weird, isn't it, how football sort of puts your life in different segments. And I had that feeling with the World Cup because I saw a tweet saying, I've never been in the same position every World Cup. Like So every World Cup, my life has changed. The people in it have changed. The surrounding, the age, et cetera, has changed. And it's the same football season, isn't it? Like you say, a lot has changed since then. And it's been a it's been a pretty tumultuous year from start to finish. And obviously that in the slap bang in the middle of it, 10 years on from 2012, was was pretty remarkable. So we, we did we did ask for submissions away from that because I, I think literally everyone of a City persuasion and probably even some people who weren't supporting City would have said that one. So let's crack on then. Uh, one we've had quite a lot and... and Crystal Allen 21 sums it up quite perfectly. Atletico away, pure shithousery. We've had a number of submissions that respond to Atletico, uh, the away game, that nil-nil draw, probably the best nil-nil in football history. 
some of them, Jack Grealish's antics, Stefan Savic, Phil Foden getting involved. That was probably, if, if we're going for City Villa being the most emotional game of 2022, Atletico away was the most chaotic game of 2022. Yeah, and for it to be capped off by Scott Carson telling somebody to see it in the car park, um, it, it was yeah, certainly yeah. it was certainly the most yeah the most chaotic game. I um, I don't know. I don't I don't tend to like games like that. Like me, like many football supporters, I get way too offended when something is done to my team, and I mm. it, it leaves me in a bad mood. I'm I'm sure I left that game in a bad mood, not in a ha 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 we won type of mood i think i I would imagine i probably left in a bad mood sorry i just had an explosive volcano in my throat um it it was it was one of those games where i think i finished watching it and then needed a good sort of hour maybe sipping a sipping a beer taking it all in online looking at the fallout because as is often the case i don't know if you had it over there as well but in in the uk media a lot of the attention immediately switched was you hate to see it you don't like it's disgraceful the scenes both teams have let themselves down banished them from all football competition forever it was it was a squabble it was a nice like we had before it was a nice little squabble and um i, I can understand why some people have that as their moment it definitely wouldn't have been their moment of the year had city got knocked out um let's let's sort of move on then and and take it back to the start of 2022 if you can think that far away half 12 on a saturday new year's day is possibly the worst kickoff time ever until Mr. Rodri pops up in what felt like the 175th minute to give City um, a last-minute winner. What what a, a game of three points that proved obviously crucial in the title race. Man City Addis says simply Rodri against Arsenal. The Bertiful South says has to be Arsenal away. And I think that, looking back at it in hindsight, set the tempo for what has been a pretty up and down year in terms of being a city fan hasn't it that 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 game sort of just epitomized what what was to come yeah and i think that game was one of the few games that season maybe even the first that city had been thoroughly outplayed for large mm. portions of the game and then obviously you've got the the mares penalty and um that, that Rodri winner that that was one of those moments Every year with some of these city teams, we have a moment where we're like, yeah, this team is special. The, the mm. obstacles that are going to stand in their way are going to have to be pretty damn large for them to not be hurtled over. Um, mm. And yeah, the 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 limbs in the away end, Rodri running to the home end and, and pumping his fist with his shirt in his, in his hand <laughs> and you know the, the rolls of toilet paper flying over his head from the yeah, clock like end. The I mean, it was just stuff. like yeah. this... This beautiful, beautiful image of what English football is all about. Yeah, it, it was mental, wasn't it? You had people with sort of like full meals that they'd presumably bought at half time because the concession stands shut sort of 10 or 15 minutes after the restart. You had some like full portion of chips being launched at Rodri. It, it was it was like it was like a, a Renaissance painting in terms of that that still image of obviously the way in, but the players running the opposite way. It, there was so much going on and um, I hate the hate the term hang it in the Louvre, but I think that'd take a, a pride and place in a in a decent art exhibition somewhere. Um a couple more then. Now 
one of the highlights many have felt for 2022 and in, I'm sure you and David mentioned his name quite a few times in the in the review um Mr Erling Brow Harland speaking of things that have split this year into sort of different segments his arrival I mean it w- I was thinking actually during the Leeds game do you remember the the Liverpool Community Shield, which obviously wasn't one of the highlights of 2022, but that moment sort of late on after a lumbering performance, people writing him off. He's the biggest flop the Premier League's ever seen, despite having never played a game in the Premier League. Falls to him, six yards out, if not less. Boom, over the bar, into the stand behind the goal. The memes reigning supreme forever and ever and ever. Seems a long time ago, that, doesn't it? It does. And that felt like his Kevin De Bruyne kneeling down to tie his shoe, yeah. to tie, tie his yeah. boot moment. Um, this The little chuckle and the smile that he gave after missing that was like, yeah, you're all fucked. And that's <laughs> it. The Premier League is mine now. Um, and, yeah. it, and it has been ever since. So, yeah, I mean, that, that signing in general was an amazing day. Did that, did that signing happen in... Yeah, I guess that would have been in the summer. See, the the football season just wrecks yeah. any sem- like any yeah. sense of time I have. Um, but yeah, I mean that signing in general just it was a watershed moment for the club, beating out clubs like mm. Real Madrid and 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 other big clubs to what we all believe is you know one of the two big players of this generation, the the next big Ronaldo, Messi sized superstars, um, and yeah. and for City to beat out the big clubs to get him is fantastic and for him to come in as a city fan his dad playing for the club it just w- what a moment like i said we had absolutely loads on harland um how long truong said harland's announcement adam rosen said the harland goal against dortmund mm. remember the sort of yeah. like the what did you call it human tetris or something like that i think i recall you saying when he when he sort of turned his body inside out to get to that sc- what what do you even is it a scorpion kick is that but it's not i don't it's a it's a, a back kick. heel flick, but it's he's upside down, so I don't know how that. Yeah, I, I don't. It's a yeah, it's a Holland kick. A Haaland kick. It will forever be known as that. Um, Matt Land says Haaland's first hat trick to make it four two at home. That sort of beautiful two week period where every time he stepped on the pitch, he was scoring hat tricks was fantastic. Um, Dave the fifteen Haaland's debut. Um, Abucci Emmanuel City signing Haaland. Haaland's goal versus. Dortmund and he also adds City versus United 2022-2023 season. Um, I think the highlight of any year has to be uh, a Manchester Derby victory at the Etihad Stadium basking in sunshine and what a performance that was. I still feel it still irks me that they managed to score three goals because there is not a cat in hell's chance Manchester City six Manchester United free. What was it? Early September, maybe, maybe early October. There's not a cat in hell's chance that scoreline reflects the dominance. And I think when we go back and watch that game, hopefully at the end of another Premier League winning season, we'll go. Dear me, that team was special. Yeah, I don't know if you'll remember this, but that that game was the first City game that I didn't watch live in like yes, years and years and years and years and years because I was out. I, yeah. I had a camping trip that I couldn't turn down. Had to like yeah. turn off all my phone, my my phone, Laura's phone, and we came back after <laughs> like not sleeping. I had been, I had gotten sick the night before while we were camping mm. for some reason, and it was just like this kind of 
horrible anxiety filled morning of not knowing the score, having to record it. The whole drive back, I thought, what if my recording failed and I don't have any of the footage of the game? <laughs> just this anxiety filled moment. And then just, just this release of being, what was it like five nil at halftime, four nil at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was every, every Derby win is memorable, but that certainly is up there as one of the best. I remember United fans saying as well, well, at least we didn't lose the second half. Um, and I think that sort of sums up the the, the chasm uh, a couple more from that one. Uh, Tom City, SS3, uh, Foden's fourth against United, never celebrated a goal that much before. And I think that's that. I think that could possibly be the same. In terms of non, um, of course it was consequential, but like non-silverware clinching moments, I think that is possibly one of the goals I've celebrated the most. Um, Mark, MCFC, 10 champions again and again and again, which is fantastic. Twitter handle, um, giving United a reality check at home. Um, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It was so good. And, and you know, that United rebuild that lasted all of about two minutes under Eric Ten Hag. They are coming back up again. They're looking decent team. But just that they, those moments, I think, are some that will stick with me forever. And even the one earlier in the year, obviously, of this parish, Ollie McCool says, beating United, uh, winning both of the derbies at the Etihad was so much better. And, Two different feels to those games. Obviously, Ralph Ranick in charge for the first one of the year and Ten Hag for the second. But yeah, just asserting the dominance, as you've said many times, the City finished 19th and United finished 20th. I think in this in this place of worship, we consider that a good season. Um, so one man who I think would be remiss of us not to mention for this segment this refresh over uh the last year or so is Kevin De Bruyne because he's had <laughs> I said after the Leeds game I think he's taken his football to another level this season Barry Lane says Kev- Kevin De Bruyne has four goals against Wolves and a few people mentioned this uh was his highlight of the year he's for me possibly and we'll see what sort of comes in the in the next few months and maybe that cements it but I can't remember a better calendar year on record for a Manchester City player than Kevin De Bruyne in 2022. His levels have been astonishing. Yeah, I I think the way in which he controls games sets him apart. But I the only, mm-hmm. in my living memory as a City fan, Aguero's 2013-14, I want to say, it was first Pellegrini's first season. And he opened he okay. opened that season with what a five goal performance against Newcastle. Um, that, but that's a completely different type of thing in which mm. his finishing that season was unbelievable. Yaya Torre that same year, I think, right, twenty thirteen fourteen, in which he, yeah, he that scored one, like yeah. ten free kick goals on twelve attempts or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying those are better. I'm just kind of comparing them to seasons I can can think of in the past for individual players and. Yeah, I mean he he's he's going to go down to City's best all-time player. I think it's I think it's I think, not even yeah. close at this point to be honest. I mean David Silva was a magician and did things that I've never seen people do since and never did before, but just on all-around pure ability. Kevin De Bruyne does things on a weekly basis I have never seen in football before. Yeah, and and mentioning that, you know, best all-time City player. I think that probably came from this year, didn't it? And that's what I was sort of hinting at in terms of the levels he set. I don't think going into the year, many were... Some people were saying it, but I don't think many were sort of steadfast in that belief. And he certainly turned it on this year. Hopefully it continues throughout the... Uh, into 2023 and hopefully beyond. Um, it wasn't all 
Good stuff, of course, as is always the case with Manchester City. A few interesting submissions. I think we've got a, a few sadistic listeners out there. Um, Serge Ten Kun said, Mares is goal versus Madrid. Mares is semi-final goal before it all turns to shambles. That, that was Abdul Khan. And then Mares goal away at the Bernabeu was Zubi's submission. Um I'm not going to say that was one of my highlights. It was probably one of the one of the worst moments of the year, but it was still a, an important one, don't you think? Yeah, I I don't remember the Mara's goal making me feel um, relief yet. I don't think I was I was ready. F- like it didn't mm. feel like a goal that that put the game away yet. Mm. Maybe yeah. it was the fact that it was the Champions League. It was Real Madrid. It was kind of. Even before the first goal, first Madrid goal went in, it was the perfect storm for City to to bottle it. Really, when when you think yeah. of all the ingredients yeah. involved, so I don't know that that moment was big for me, and maybe it was, and I just don't remember it because of what what came after it. But mm. um, that was a forgettable day for me. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly significant, but uh, like you say, forgettable. Um, let's begin to wrap up then, because because we've had to, some, as is always the case, some personal submissions in terms of people's memories, and and obviously, I think a lot of them would have been the final day, and that was one of my personal sort of highlights of the year. Not even just football, not even just city related. Um, Dragos Boar says Everton away, the atmosphere, the goal celebration, Pep joining us after the match celebration, epic. You know stuff that will stick with you forever. JP Swartz Cap says lay, uh, lay my eyes on the Etihad for the first time being at 2-0 down in uh, Erling Haaland getting his first Premier League hat-trick to bring it back and Alex Brotherton um, friend of the show of course John Stones leaving the trophy parade for a tacky chunder now I'll, for anyone who's not aware of what a tacky chunder is it's a tactical sort of vomit whilst you're on whilst you're drinking to make you being able to go on for a bit longer closely followed by Rodri picking up Juan Mart Lilo like he was a stuffed teddy bear what, um, what what do you think of those three? I'm just stuck on the phrase tacky chunder. I can't get <laughs> Have you never it. heard that? <laughs> I I've heard each of the two words uh individually. I've never heard them used <laughs> like that. But um that is fabulous. I didn't know that that John Stones did that. I mean, I'm sure it was not Exclusive something Exclusive from Alex. I'm yeah. sure it was not something you would have seen on the the City TV <laughs> broadcast of it. Um yeah, but that, yeah. There that, wasn't an uh, uh, an access all angles of yeah. John Stones chucking up in the in the toilet. That is fantastic, though. On, on that day, I think off the pitch that that day was my favorite moment of the year because I, I don't know if you remember this, but during the parade, the um, the City TV presenter was up on the bus with the players, and he gets Kyle Walker and John Stones on the mic, and he basically asked them. Something along the lines of, you know, it's your fourth title as a blue or so, something along the lines. What does it mean to you? And Kyle Walker and John Stones just start talking about how much they love each other. And it had nothing mm, to do yeah, with, with yeah. the presenter's question. Yeah. He asked him a football yeah. question and they just say like, this guy, he's been with me through thick and thin. You know, he's such he's, he's an amazing guy on and off the pitch. I just, I love him. They're just like, I genuinely thought they were going to make out on City TV. Yeah, I thought yeah, they were just going to just go straight so into necking good. each other, but uh, it was amazing. I, I was just cracking up watching that. 
Yeah, and I, obviously I, I was there. You were watching from home. And I, I reckon those who watched from home had a, a fantastic view because the camera was going anywhere, everywhere. You had the interviews. But it, it, that, that that couple of days, that 48 hours was was fantastic. And I know I said people can't give it as their moment. Well, it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be. Another title. Any title wins good, but obviously the circumstances. Um, I think we'll we'll leave it there then. Um, before we go, of course, the soppy stuff. We started this podcast this year soon to be last year um i speak for myself when i say i don't even think for a million years we'd have had the reception we did we have a list as long as i don't know jack Grealish's calves to read out thank yous which i'm sure everyone who knows their place in that appreciates us and we could spend 25 minutes again doing that but i just from me and i know you adam you'll say your bit in a second but a massive thank you and and a lot more to come from us. Thank you for anyone who's listened to any episode and given us any sort of criticism, let alone praise. It means an awful lot. And um, I, for one, can't wait for 2023. It's a year that we'll see you come over to Manchester, which is something to look forward to. So stuff planned for that as well. But yeah, a big thank you from me. Yes, and and also from me. I mean, I, I can speak for Amos when I say when we started this podcast, um, it was, you know, it was basically to have a place to voice our frustrations and our joy for kind of family mm. and friends. You know, it wasn't with the intent mm. of, you know, making any sort of money, which we don't, but making any sort of money yeah. or, you know, anything along those lines. It was just kind of this thing to do for fun. And, and obviously we hooked up with the city report and now here we are with uh, hundreds and breaking into thousands of, of listeners. Mm. And that's, incredible genuinely it's incredible I, I can't thank all of you enough for for listening and um every time we kind of check in on our stats and see who's listening where they're listening from the age we can even see your age and everything we might even have your social security <laughs> number you never know yeah yeah, um, yeah but you know it's just we've got men women of all ages from all around the world listening and that is something that i am just extremely grateful for um, and so, yeah, thank you. And, and here's to another very successful year. Right. Enough for that cringy stuff. Um, Adam, for now, for the final time in 2022, it's been a pleasure. And for the final time in 2022, we'll see you later. See you. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.